from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people, credit union ideas. Andrea Parrish, digital marketing specialist at STCU in Spokane, Washington, spends a fair amount of time dealing with haters, people on social media who aren't happy with service, wait times, and so on. But one instance stands out among all others. A local resident accused STCU of hosting a very inappropriate Halloween party and left a scathing review ending in everyone I've interacted with was scraped from the bottom of the customer service barrel. Shame on you. The problem was STCU never held the party. A local bank did. I'm Bill Merrick, Deputy Editor for Credit Union Magazine and CUNA News. In this episode of the CUNA News Podcast, Parrish explains how she handled this incident and other negative social media posts, why some of her best friends at STCU are compliance experts, and the most common social media mistakes credit unions make. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. Um, so right now I work as the uh, digital marketing specialist at STCU, and I've been there for about three years. Uh, before that, um, I was the marketing director for Gonzaga University School of Law. Um, and then before that, I did a variety of things. Um, I was a professional blogger. I did some uh, PR and social media management um, both personally and professionally for various projects. I kickstarted a couple of businesses. I've a lot. Um, my parents were entrepreneurs and I kind of got that bug. So I did a lot of that in my younger years too. What kind of blog did you have? And what's it, what's it like <laughs> being a professional blogger? A lot more boring than most people expect. Um, I actually was a paid writer who had a slate of clients um, and I wrote for all of their various blogs. So it wasn't my personal blog. Um, it was a bunch of clients' blogs. And how did you come to join STCU? I was recruited, um, but it was actually the third time I'd applied to work there. <laughs> um, when I moved to the um, Inland Northwest, I had actually tried to apply for STCU, but I just wasn't a good fit at that particular point. Um, so I went on and did other things. Um, and then when the law school was going through some restructuring, uh, Lance Kissler, who is now my supervisor, contacted me because we knew each other from Twitter and from tweet ups and, you know, social media community in Spokane's pretty small. Um, and he contacted me and said, Hey, I'd love if you applied for this job. So I did and got it. So I kind of got recruited away. What's a typical day for you? <laughs> If there is such a thing. Uh, notifications and notifications and more notifications. No, um, typical day for me, I usually come into the office. Well, I wake up and I check my phone to see what's blown up because if there is something that is blown up, I don't want to be sideswiped by it when I get into the office. Um, and then I'll get into the office. I'll check all of our networks, all of our notifications. I have a morning routine basically where it's 23 different saved Chrome tabs as my home. Um, and I just click through all of them to check them because some of those things I only check once a day. Um, then I'll spend a significant portion of the day going through what content is being posted, responding to member concerns and complaints, um, having meetings because everybody has lots of meetings, uh, oftentimes about marketing strategy, about content strategy, about various things that are coming up with you know new branches. If we're opening our Airway Heights branch, then meetings for that, that kind of stuff. Hmm. Um, and then I'll sp usually spend a pretty significant portion of the day just going through and figuring out, okay, what's happened in the last week? What do we need to know about and what's coming up? And however that ends up splitting out. Mm -hmm. And what percentage of your time is devoted to social media? 
probably about 75% or so. Um, some days it's closer to 50, some days it's closer to 99. <laughs> um, kind of depends on the day, but probably about 75%. And what channels work best for your credit union? Depending on how you define best. Um, so our best, quote unquote, if we are trying to uh, respond to member concerns and questions, then I really do like both Twitter and Facebook because they both have a lot of features and functionality for that. Um, our best social network in highest reach is actually our Google locations listings, um, which we don't actively post on. We just manage those, but those have the highest reach because every time somebody Googles a branch or STCU, that comes up. Um, my personal favorite social network and the one that sends us the most click-throughs and, in my opinion, the most authentic interactions is actually the social network that I don't know of any other credit union that's actively on it, and that's Reddit. Hmm. Um, not a place to go to play if you're not confident, if you don't know what kind of is going on and what the social norms of that community are. Um, but when it comes to getting truly great feedback from people who truly care, Reddit has been amazing for that. Hmm. What are the potential dangers of Reddit and, and other channels? Like, <laughs> So I have metaphors for every social network out there. Um, for example, Facebook living room, Twitter's a cocktail party, you know, that kind of stuff. Reddit is the college dormitory options list where you can get everything from the academic dorm where everybody's studying constantly and, you know, very buttoned up and dry dorm and all that kind of stuff all the way to the party fraternity that's always on the edge of getting kicked out and everybody knows to just not go there unless you can find all of that on Reddit because it's truly got everything. So there's a lot of potential pitfalls. We as STCU have even been banned from one of the subreddits because we were seen as a spam account because mm. we never posted about anything but credit union business. Mm. So they said, well, you're spam, you're out. So it, there's a lot, but it's also very active and interactive, at least in our community. And you recently talked to a group of marketers about dealing with social media haters. Yep. What were some of the biggest questions that came up from that session? Um, I'd say some of the biggest questions were, how do I answer these questions or these comments or these reviews? Um, because really the things that people post online are the sometimes the kinds of things they'd never say in person. So figuring out how to actually respond and say something back can be one of the most stressful parts of any social media manager's job. And there were several questions about how do you respond to that? How do you make that work? Um, there were also questions about what tools to use and um, how much money should I plan on spending? All of which it really depends on your credit union. And how often do these haters target STCU? <laughs> uh, well, I don't. I wouldn't say that they target STCU. They communicate with us. Um, <laughs> sometimes they're trolls who go way beyond hater. They're mm. they're the people who want nothing more than to make everybody's life terrible. Um, but in general, I usually end up handling somewhere between seven and fifteen questions, concerns, or complaints a week. Does any, any certain complaint kind of stand out to you? So as far as in general, um, we have a lot of people who will complain that they wait too long on the phone. And a lot of that is honestly perception because our contact center has gotten the average wait time down below two minutes. But because people want their responses much more quickly or because two minutes on hold always feels like 20, that's something that people bring up. Um, a lot of times people will also bring up 
when they feel like they got a different answer from two different people, sometimes they're right. And sometimes it's just, it was worded in two different ways. So trying to figure out what was actually said there. Um, as far as specific complaints, I have many, my presentation <laughs> shared a lot of them. Um, one of the most memorable for me is there was actually a financial institution that had a significant problem over Halloween. Um, they had some associates show up in costuming that was quite inappropriate. I'll just put it that way. Um, and somebody thought that it was STCU after the news story came out mm. and posted a scathing one-star review um, that ended with everybody I have interacted with was scraped from the bottom of the customer service barrel. Shame on you. Just, And I get it. She was emotionally angry and she was frustrated and she wanted to express that. And so she just ripped into us and it wasn't over something that we'd done and so trying to balance that you have a legitimate complaint but not all of it but yeah, you know, that's one that I bring up in almost all of my presentations <laughs> what did you do in that instance uh same thing I do for every negative review I took a second to breathe <laughs> um my coworkers can attest to the fact that I will often say many things that never get typed in response <laughs> Ever. I bow to people who are on the phone and can't do that because I could never, I would never survive in that job. Um, so I, I took a second to breathe. Um, I corrected the factual inaccuracy. I said, that was not us. It would never be acceptable here and just kind of left it at that. And then um, I thanked her for providing the feedback for what else was going on. Mm -hmm. And asked her if we could get some more information to follow up. Because she was never specific about, I talked with this branch or I had this issue or anything like that. It was just general. So offering to follow up on what she had asked um, moved the conversation forward and away from what we hadn't done. Mm -hmm. Did she ever respond to you? Yeah, actually, we had a really great conversation. She never changed her review. And we don't ask people to do that. We let them stand as they are. Um, but she did respond. And we ended up having a really good conversation about the service that she'd received and what she had expected. And, and we're able to pass that on to the branch. Mm -hmm. Did any of your other members see that comment? And oh, yeah. did they, did they ask about it or did they, what, how did you respond to them? Um, we had a couple of people post comments on her review that ranged from supportive to mocking, um, which we just chose to stay out of because it wasn't directly about us. Um, and there was no winning. That was a Kobayashi Maru. There was no way to win in that game. Um, and then we did have a couple of other members ask about it because they were like, was that you that did that? And we were able to just say, no, it wasn't our credit union. So, mm -hmm. What could have happened if you had done nothing at all? I'm imagining pitchforks <laughs> <laughs> um, because it, it was a truly... And, and I truly feel for the team at, at the other financial institution that was handling that because it was a terrible situation. Um, and uh, if it had gone unresponded to, then her statement that it was STCU probably would have stood and continued to gain steam is my guess. You, uh, you said the other day that some of your best friends at the credit union are in compliance. What's, <laughs> yep. Why is that? <laughs> um, because social media is as much a compliance channel as it is a communications channel. Um, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau's requirements that credit unions and banks but track 
um, complaints and track concerns and actually follow them through to see what happened and did we make changes and all of that applies to social media as well. And it is a channel in which a lot of complaints come in. And if somebody cares enough to post publicly on social media, then you can bet other people have that exact same complaint. So from one side, it's all of the complaint tracking, all of the making sure that we have all of the information, we're following up, all of that. On the other side, anything that's posted on social media could be construed as an advertisement. Even if you're talking about financial education, even if you're talking about a donation to a nonprofit, it could be construed as an advertisement. And everything that comes with UDAP violations or everything that comes with quoting a rate or answering questions, all could have a potential compliance impact. So I am talking with our compliance department more often than some of my own team members um, because I have a lot of those questions. If I am going to post about the RV show going on next weekend, can I post a rate or do I have to make sure that that comes with you know, eight pages of disclosures? And mm -hmm. if so, how can I word it to not make it a, a UDAP concern? Mm -hmm. So I'm hanging out in their offices a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so you... Could you send out a tweet that says, oh, you know, RV loans 2.5%, you know, blah, blah, blah. Is that, it really, is that acceptable? I would hesitate to do so. I'm not a compliance person, so take this with a grain of salt. <laughs> um, just because I'm good friends doesn't mean I have all of their knowledge. Um, but in general, when it comes to something like quoting a rate on Twitter, that usually comes into the one click away rule. Mm -hmm. So it would have to come with a link. And if it has a picture, then we have to make sure that the picture would comply with all of the regulations. So okay. I'd hesitate, but it might be possible. Mm -hmm. What are the, uh, I guess, potential consequences of non-compliance in the social media realm? Oh, dear. Um <laughs> I know when we did our social media risk analysis and actually put dollar amounts on everything, I'm pulling this from the back of my brain, so I might have the numbers wrong, um, but I remember the whole overall risk of social media came out to several million dollars, um, but that included member service and all that kind of stuff. I believe the compliance risks were things like UDAP violations. So there's all of the potential fines and having to make good and all of that. Um, and then there's also the potential violations from the CFPB, which are additives. So I can't put a direct number on it, but everything that you're concerned about in print advertising or digital advertising probably applies to social too. What's your approach to a social media risk analysis? Is there a <laughs> oh, process man. that you follow? Yeah, um, so we actually have a risk analysis process at STCU. So I was lucky enough to be able to kind of follow that. Um, I actually pulled in a meeting from uh, with a number of people. I had uh, our communications manager because he deals with the media and can speak to a lot of that. I had our fraud manager because we end up dealing with a lot of potential fraud. Um, I had our IT security manager, our ITS person. I had... Uh, who else did I have? Um, a couple of people from Frontline, somebody from the branch, um, and just a few other people that generally have an idea about social media. I put together a list of, okay, here's what I think the risks might be. Oh, and our human, uh, human resources. That's the other person I had in. And so I put together this list saying, here's what I think a, a problem could be. Here's a few situations we've encountered. And then I stuck them all in a room for an hour and a half and fed them lunch and said, tell me your worst case scenario. Tell me in your nightmares what wakes you up at night when you start to think about Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn and all of these things. 
What's your worst case scenario? And then I took those scenarios and broke them down into, okay, this is related because of X, Y, Z. So it can be one risk. And then this is related because of X, Y, Z. And I ended up breaking it down, I think, into seven major risks. And then all of those went to our, our risk person who came up with numbers with me. And mm. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Do you remember what the seven major risk categories oh, are? Let me see if I can remember this. Um, one was UDAP violations. So we post something that is incorrect. Um, or compliance in general. Um, one of them was customer, or excuse me, member service risks. Um, so things like if we didn't respond to a concern or a complaint, what are the risks that come from that? Um, one of them was account takeover. So if somebody hacks into our account or if somebody takes over our Facebook page, then what does that look like? What's a risk there? Uh, that's three. Four was if somebody creates... Uh, clone representations of us on social media. So somebody comes up with like STC space U and then starts posting as if they're STCU trying to get member information. Uh, one was uh, if an employee ends up posting something that is proprietary or an employee ends up posting something they shouldn't. Uh, one was if employees are being attacked on social media because of their position at STCU. And there is a seventh. It's been a few months since I've... <laughs> that's good, Don. <laughs> so that's six of the seven. <laughs> yeah. So you were, you were talking a little earlier about social media tools mm -hmm. um, and, and the people you talked to at the, at the marketing conference. Mm -hmm. um, what, what tools have worked out best for STCU and in what ways? Um, so uh, this is where we get into the Andrea is a little bit crazy world. Um, <laughs> So for posting and for scheduling our posts and for planning, we actually use Hootsuite. Um, great tool, very inexpensive, very functional for what it does. Awesome for that. And it also does a good job monitoring. It's a good backup for us for monitoring. Um, as far as the tools we use for social media monitoring and compliance management and all of that, um, I actually homebrewed a tool uh, rather than paying for somebody else to put one because we use so many weird networks, because we use Reddit, because we actively manage our Google locations, um, because there's a lot of things that we do that no social media management tool will pull everything in. Um, I homebrewed one with Slack, uh, which is a communications tool intended for intergroup communications, but it has a number of API tie-ins that are extraordinarily functional. Um, so I have all of our Google alerts feed into Slack. I have all of our Facebook notifications come to Slack, all of our Twitter notifications, everything that we get in from Reddit, all of our Yelp reviews, anything and everything. I have go to this one place that then sends me notifications. So rather than getting notifications from 15 different apps and trying to sort through it all, I just have one channel that no matter what network it's on, it's next on my to-do list. Um, I actually wrote a 3,500 word blog post about how exactly I homebrewed that, um, which you can find um, if you go to my website or look me up on Medium or a couple other places. So, what's the backup plan? Like when you, when you're out of the office, what uh, does all social media stop at STCU, oh. or oh, no. what's your process for <laughs> so, <laughs> when you're gone? Um, I am extraordinarily lucky in that we have a fairly large team, um, so we have. I'm the main manager for our social media. And then when I go on vacation, there are three other people who have all been trained. And I trained two of them. And then one of them is my supervisor who started social media at STCU. So he's trained. Um, 
mostly. <laughs> and um, all three of them have a rotation. So I actually get two weekends a month. And then whenever I go on vacation um, to just, I, we have an on-call phone, which is where all of our photographs come, all of our notifications come. Everything goes to that one on-call phone. And we handle it like any other on-call situation. They get There's a time it gets handed off and we communicate about it. Um, and then we have shared planning documents and all that kind of stuff. So it's very much a careful handoff. Um, for any group or organization or credit union that has a much smaller team, I would still very highly recommend you have at least one trained backup person because it's always when you're on vacation that you know somebody mm -hmm. drives into a branch with their car or a robbery happens or somebody comes into a branch and waves around a Nerf weapon like a real gun or you know whatever. Mm -hmm. Like something will always go wrong when you're away. <laughs> Um, so it's always good to have, even if that person's only job is to look at what's going on and know when it's bad enough to text you to get on now and fix this. Mm -hmm. Um, but having a chance to have a mental break is so important. So it's, it's pretty much 24 seven then when you're on call. Um, yeah, when I'm on call, our response hour expectations are 8am to 8pm. Um, and then we set Facebook to away from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. Um, and we share on Twitter, you know, when we're there and when we're not and all that kind of stuff. So we can manage those expectations. We don't get to set them. Other organizations set what people expect, but you can manage them. Um, and then I also, for example, if online banking goes down at 9 p.m., and I get a bunch of text message notifications about it from our IT department, then we'll post, hey, we know online banking's down, we're working on it, and then post again when it's back up because that helps minimize the number of calls or at least reduce the number of calls into our contact center because people know what's going on. What would you consider to be your social media strategy? Uh, community, 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 community. Um, we post no more than 10 to 15% product and service and most of those are very carefully targeted ads. Other than that, we post about financial education. We post about our workout in the community. We post about interesting events going on. Um, National Pet Day was a day where we posted, I think, 95 employee pet photos because it was fun, mm -hmm. but also because that's being a part of the community online. We also make it a point to signal, we call it signal boosting a lot of our community partners. So if we sponsor something, if there's a partner who is doing something really fun, or even if it's just something going on in the community that we have no hand in, we will post about it. We'll say, hey, go check out this weekend, the new museum exhibit. We don't sponsor it, we have no part in it, but it's going on in our community. And when we're seen as a community partner, then it's much easier when bad things do happen or when good things happen for people to see us as someone they can talk to. Mm -hmm. And what posts tend to get the best responses from members? <laughs> All the ones I don't expect. <laughs> I mean, honestly, uh, our best performing video last month was when a member sent us a video of a couple of moose wandering around one of our branches. You know, I, I can want all I want there, you know, I can want deeply for that cool video about, you know, saving up for a mortgage. <laughs> it's all the ones I don't expect. Yeah. Um, which is part of the fun thing about social media. You're never quite sure exactly what'll happen. Um, and that's kind of exciting in my world because you get to try lots of things. Mm -hmm. Speaking of that, have you tried anything kind of off the wall lately on social media or <laughs> anything that 
any creative types of campaigns you've come up with? Oh man. So one of the, my very favorite things is actually something that starts and continues offline. Um, our billboard strategy at STCU is a very, very, very local. So we have a billboard on one of the low overpasses that semi-trucks constantly hit because that happens. Um, we have a, a billboard that says our loan rates are surprisingly low, like this overpass. It's just a throw to the fact, like, we know that trucks hit this. There's a billboard there. We may as well have fun with it. Um, or there's a taco truck that parks in a pretty consistent location. So, and there happens to be a billboard back behind them. So we put a billboard up that said, free checking, more money for tacos. <laughs> because it's a taco truck. That's great. So, yeah. you know, um, but those physical billboards get more response on social media than anything that we could post on social and ask people to share or interact with because people feel like they're being let in on a secret. They feel like they're sharing something that their friends may not realize. And when people feel like they're sharing something special, they're a lot more excited about it. So you get a lot better response. So I have a lot of fun with those, um, especially as we're thinking about new ones and, you know, do we make throws to college mascots or, you know, what's the joke going to be this time? What are some of the biggest mistakes that credit unions make on social media? Oh, man. Um, number one is not responding, is trying to run away from the people who are saying negative things or bad things or frustrating things. Um, and it's a totally understandable response. I mean, we are emotionally invested in our credit unions, so we don't like it when people say things. Um, but relationships die in apathy. And if somebody cares enough to tell you what's wrong, then you should acknowledge that and do something about it. Um, the number two biggest mistake I see is they will repost their print advertisements and just post them as a picture and expect it to do anything. A, that's a compliance concern because a print advertisement and an online advertisement have two totally different requirements. Um, but B, that's not being a part of the social community that is a social network. People choose to be on a social network not to be advertised to. They choose to be a part of a network because they want to get something out of it. So if you don't interact as a part of that community, then and all you post is ads, people aren't going to see you as a part of the community. They're going to see you as one of those annoying advertisers. Mm -hmm. You, uh, you mentioned that you're doing a podcast now. Oh, You've yeah. done one for a couple of years. Yeah. Can you tell me about that? Sure. Um, this is kind of moving over into my personal <laughs> life. Um, so I have been doing a project for um, five years, and the podcast has been going on for the last three, um, where I ask a question every single day. Um, it's just some kind of interesting discussion topic question, and then share two to three minutes of the research behind it to help people have better and more interested in interesting conversations about it. Um, questions are kind of a personal passion point of mine and how they work and how they function and what they mean. And so it's a way for me to kind of feed my research bug and also share, share things out in the world. Um, for example, last week, one of the most responded to questions was, what is the best or worst white elephant gift you've ever gotten? <laughs> um, and then the podcast about that was just, okay, what's etymology? Why do we call it white elephant gift? And this is actually something very unique to America. Um, or to, to North America and the United States. A lot of other countries don't do that, which I think is pretty interesting. So I, sh mm -hmm. I share that on my podcast. <laughs> what's, the, what's the best or worst white elephant gift you've ever received? <laughs> 
Um, I think the absolute best one was one of those ninja knife holders um, because it's something that I would have never gotten for myself, but is so funny every time I look at it because there's a guy on my counter with a knife through his chest. But at the same point, it's kind of cool. Did you ever do a credit union related question? Have I ever done one? Um, I know one of the questions coming up, I think it's number 600 and something, is about cash versus cards. Um, so I'll probably end up talking about credit unions there, but I think I have a lack of those questions in my database. I'll have to, to take a look and fix that. What's one thing people should know about Spokane? People should know that Spokane is as much as you want it to be. Which I know sounds like kind of a weird thing, but a lot of the people who live, who grew up in Spokane will say, oh, there's nothing to do there. But I grew up in this little tiny town where literally the only thing to do was go hang out in the Walmart parking lot. And Spokane has incredible outdoor activities. It has Broadway shows. It has some of the best restaurants in the state. And yes, Seattle, I'm looking at you. Um, it is an incredible town that amount the amount of effort that you put into it is fed back to you tenfold and it is a town hungry for and willing to get involved all you have to do is put yourself out there thanks for listening to the cuna news podcast subscribe to the show on itunes stitcher radio and google play